The following program is recorded content created by the Truth Network. Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth. But no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Have you ever been around a couple that uh, could not get pregnant? For one reason or another, they just cannot conceive. It can be uh, just a total nightmare. We've seen that in churches that we've attended. Uh, Praise the Lord, that wasn't part of our story uh, in our marriage, which is 31 years old today. Uh, Happy anniversary, Gina. But uh, Congratulations. Thank you. uh, But for a lot of people, that is a very, very difficult uh, road to travel. And if you're a Christian, how do you deal with that? And do you just kind of relax and try to accept God's will that perhaps... Uh, it isn't his will that you have children, which is hard to hear because uh, the scriptures are pretty obvious about how, how God feels about children, about cro- procreation and the blessing that they are. But what do you do when it doesn't quite work out and uh, in comes technology? And, and I think really since uh, artificial insemination started, somewhere between 8 and 12 million babies, I think, worldwide have been created versus uh, via artificial insemination, in vitro fertilization. There's a, a few different options there. Uh, I don't know if we'll have time to talk about cloning, but perhaps uh, last year when I was here at the Shepherds 360 uh, conference on ethics, it was really cool. It was a great blessing because uh, most of you know that I got my master's degree in Christian ethics about uh, seven or eight years ago from Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary and then started teaching that as one of the classes that I teach to high school homeschoolers. And then when it came time to pick a textbook for that, uh, I found this textbook uh, written by this guy named Scott Ray, and uh, he's at Biola, and it was obvious that he knew what he was doing, and it's a really good textbook, and so we've been using that for years. And then last year, boom, uh, there's Scott Ray at Shepherd's (laughs) Seminary and Shepherd's Church down here in Cary, and here you are again. Scott, good to see you. How are you? Thanks, Steve. Very well. Thanks. Always, this is great to be back here. It's great to have you. And this is a subject... uh, when you get into artificial insemination in vitro uh, and with couples that cannot have a child on their own, uh, this, this is a very difficult topic for a lot of people. Uh, but we still have to bring scripture to bear. We still have to have an ethical conversation. But, but where do we start with this one? And I'm sure we'll branch out and look at different things as we go through this. It's one of the topics you've been talking about here at the, uh, at the conference down at Shepherds. But, but where do we kind of begin uh, in trying to understand what reproductive technologies offer us as Christians who are struggling to get pregnant, but yet we have Scripture as well. We kind of need to take that into account. Well, Steve, I think we, we actually start with, uh, I think this will be helpful for your listeners too. This was our story. My wife, this is how I got interested mm. in all this because as there's this sort of funny providential way of uh, my field following me home. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I got really in the, the mid I don't know, probably mid-80s, got really interested in all these wild new ways to procreate children. IVF was less than 10 years old. Mm. Surrogacy was the stuff of TV miniseries. It was just, you know, you just couldn't make it up any better. About that time, my wife and I started a four, roughly four-year journey with infertility ourselves. Mm. And it it rocked our world. And I was caught completely off guard by it. The, The depth and the intensity of the pain we felt was off the charts 
and we had lots of well well meaning I bet you know friends yeah. who, who were offering quote comfort and yeah. encouragement that for the most part only made things worse. Mm. And it made me it made actually made me think what what makes you think all this is your business <laughs> to be asking me these questions. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, yeah. Wow. Uh, but it, it, I, so I think I think where you start with couples who are wrestling with this is you can't underestimate the the level of pain that they feel. Yeah. It is yeah. it is just enormous. And people there's just this funny thing people who have not been down that road before really have a hard time identifying and connecting with that. Yeah. And so this is where simplistic solutions don't get it done. You know, you, yeah, you tempted to say, well, of course, you can adopt. Easy end of story. Yeah, piece of cake. It's not the end of story. Uh, you know, you know maybe, maybe God doesn't want you to have children, you know. Romans 8.28, Scott. That's, that, that's the deal. I just got to throw Romans 8.28 at you and everything will be fine. Yeah, not so much. Uh, and there, this, is, this is one. In, in fertile couples, especially ours had a happy ending. Most of them don't. Yeah. And if it doesn't have a happy ending, you're left with this sort of nagging why mm. question because it drove us nuts. All these you know, teenagers will look at each other crosswise and get pregnant. Yeah. And we, and we for the life guys. of us, we can't make yeah. this happen. Yeah. So it was emotionally very difficult, uh, intellectually very difficult, and, and I, would, I would imagine spiritually because you're you're not praying for something that is outside of God's no, of will, and no. and it's from cover to cover, how He feels about us and children. Well, we read, you know, children are a gift. That's right. I, you know, we're you know we're ready and waiting with mm-hmm. with open hands. You know, we'll take whatever gift you give us here on yeah. this. And yeah. you know, now our, again, ours turned out. We have ours was a happy ending, uh, but it, that's not the norm. Yeah. Was it was it difficult? Did you guys start to go down the road of, of, okay, what do we have some options here that technology will afford other than adoption? Um, Yes, there were Um, our artificial insemination. You know, we've been that been going on for a long time, primarily with animals. But, you know, with human beings, you know, less so. But, you know, that was an option we tried twice Mm. and didn't you know nothing happened as a result of that. IVF was still sort of in its infancy. Yeah. And there were some other there were some other variations on IVF that were a bit more promising that are no longer being done today. Um and we we thought about that, but uh it was, those were really pricey. Yeah. And you know, the success rate, especially early on, yeah, was, oh yeah. was not great. Not very good. I don't want to assume any Everybody knows what we're talking about here. So just explain the process of IVF. Because people go, oh, yeah, in vitro fertilization. I, I want to make sure they understand what that actually is. It's, it's actually more complicated than it sounds. Uh, because in vitro just means Latin for in glass. And that refers to the Petri dish where a conception Yeah, literally. Place. Right. But there's a lot more that happens before that. Women are, the, the, the woman is given the super high-powered hormones that enable her to release as many eggs as possible in one cycle. Usually she'll release on a if it's a good you know if it's a good, a good cycle somewhere between eight and fifteen mm. eggs in one cycle. Yeah. The record I'm aware of is a woman who released sixty. Wow, at six zero in one 60 cycle. Sixty in one cycle. Um, isn't the norm is not sixty? No, that's five years <laughs> worth. <laughs> I was going to say, isn't it one per month? Yes, uh, it is. And so when human beings start jacking around with the system. 
how do we handle that as Christians, especially if something as difficult and as emotional and as spiritually taxing as infertility? Talking to Scott Ray. This is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. Now I don't get quite as many emails. <laughs> you can understand that. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, live down here at Shepherd's Church and Shepherd's Theological Seminary, which is in Cary, North Carolina. Dear friends down here, Steve and Davey and I have been uh, friends, really going back to when I became an activist all the way back to 2004, uh, and actually couldn't stand them uh, back then. We both <laughs> ended up... Uh, they wrote a big article. Uh, Scott Ray's here with me. He's in town. He's uh, out at Biola University, a professor of philosophy and Christian ethics out there, and uh, Talbot School of Theology. And the local paper here, Scott had written, because I, be- I just became this Christian activist in 2004, and uh, a, uh, a, a gal that was writing for our local paper, who now works for the religious news service, RNS, uh, wrote an article as, A New Star Rises on the Right. <clears throat> and so... And so in that article, they went and talked to a few local pastors about Christians getting involved in a politics and should a church be emphasizing politics and doing voter registration drives and stuff. And they interviewed Stephen Davey and Stephen Davey was not a big fan of that. And so I read that. And uh, when it came out and I'm like, who is this idiot? He's such a he's such a coward, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Didn't even know him, of course. Yeah. Uh, and Stephen Davey, I, I think, arguably could be the best expositor on the East Coast, an incredible uh, man of God and, and became a friend. But it was funny that for years that just kind of lingered <laughs> Out yeah, there, that's quite a start. And then here I am. Yeah. So God's grace is good, and uh, and Steve Stephen was kind uh, even when I'm not. So uh, it's great to be back at Shepherd's and to be down here, Scott Ray. I use Scott's uh, textbook in my ethics class and half for the last seven years with the high school students uh, that I teach. So Scott, thank you for uh, answering God's call on your life and this direction that He took you in and the teaching and the writing because. It's been a huge blessing to me, and then I get to turn around and share that with other students. So appreciate that. Uh, and just so you know, too, there's a fifth edition coming. Yes, out of the book. There's always another edition there coming is. out. It's uh, coming. When's that one coming? When will that be done? Probably late 24. Oh, cool. All right, all right. So I'll be ready for that in a couple of years. Uh, we're talking about something that. Uh, uh, personal to you and your bride, artificial insemination, infertility, and we were talking about in vitro fertilization. And there was a time when this stuff first came up. It reminds me of uh, where we're at with artificial intelligence and more and more people are finding out about it. But by the time you find out about it, it's so far down the road. That's right. Uh, and we're, now we're just now having ethical conversations. But you were explaining what IVF actually is. Like, how does it work? Yeah. Uh, in vitro fertilization, meaning we're literally talking about a Petri dish in a lab. That's right. So the, the woman gets high-powered hormones to release as many eggs as possible. Within about 12 to 24 hours, all the eggs have to be fertilized uh, or frozen. And so the, they obtain sperm from the husband. They put together in a petri dish and see how many see how many connect. And usually there's a, a some attrition. Uh, usually, I'd say you, you could probably count on 40 to 50 percent of the eggs being wow. successfully fertilized. So let's say she releases 10, five successfully fertilized. Five is too many to implant all at one right. time because you're going to run out of real estate there real soon in the womb. So usually they'll, a clinic will suggest two, maybe three at most. Um, and so 
they'll implant, say they implant two, and they'll, they will freeze the other three, put them in storage. And then if the couple hits the jackpot on one or both of those that have been implanted, yeah. then chances are pretty good that their childbearing days are over. Uh, maybe not, but normally chances yeah. are. Yeah. So then they have really tough decision to make about what to do with those remaining three. Mm-hmm. Because if we understand the sanctity of life correctly and that we have a person from conception forward, what you have is, is an embryo, not just a clump of cells, but that's a, that's a person. That's yeah. one. That's those are their children. Yeah. And the funny thing, I, couples who have successfully had children through IVF, they get that those embryos are their children because mm-hmm. they see, they know that the, the continuity between those embryos and the bouncing baby boys right. and girls that, they that they're holding. Had. That's right. You know, they're not, it's not a different category. So they have to make that decision. Uh, and, what we've discovered over the years is that most couples who go into IVF are not prepared for that eventuality. Yeah, yeah. But if you follow the standard of practice, unless IVF is a complete bust, you're going to have to make some of those decisions. With IVF, are they are you playing the odds up front, meaning if we implant two, the odds of you having twins actually isn't? super high so maybe you'll have one that's viable or we do three and the odds go up are you playing because obviously you're playing the numbers game across the whole spectrum you are but there's also the 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 physician will give the woman some hormones i call it feathering the nest Mm -hmm. to to make the womb more receptive to multiple implantations so i'm not sure i'm not sure that's quite the right term yeah um but I mean, the odds are against them from the start. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, and so the, yeah. Then then you have what happens with uh, the quote unquote leftovers, the unused, and the thing that uh, with my students when we just talked about this last week, they're like, well, hold on a second. They they struggled a little bit with, are you outside of God's will in the first place because you have fertilization taking place in a lab as opposed to yeah. where it's supposed to t- take place, so to speak. And, yeah. and and it opened up a lot of doors for the students that they had never gone through before. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, you know, my my answer to that is I I don't think that's a problem, because infertility, as I see it, is a result of the general entrance of sin mm-hmm. into the world. Not not to say that it's a result of personal sin. We got to make sure that distinction right. is clear. Uh, but infertility is not the way God intended it. It's not the way it's supposed to be. Uh, and therefore, I think that puts it within the realm of medical technology. Now, that's, we still got to do yeah. lots of moral assessment, but we're, I think we're, we're on the table yeah, yeah. to begin with. Yeah, now, we're, not, we're not claiming to be Christian scientists, and you cannot use any medical intervention whatsoever. Just pray right. and leave it to the Lord. Well, and nor are we claiming to be Catholic right. when it comes to, to reproduction either. Um, so I think— so, so the, the, it's it's on it's on the table for you know to be open to, but as long as long as it's done the right way, where every embryo you create in the lab gets a shot at implantation somewhere down the line. Yeah. Well, I have to admit, I'm not thrilled with the idea of freezing embryos in the first place. Right. Yeah. I mean that's that's a problem. Yeah. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. Because my reaction is, and it's always been, I'll, we're ter- we're turning children into commodities, and and while while there's good intent. And a noble goal, not to invoke my own name, but it's still that kind of that process that man interfering. And now we're going to put him on ice and we'll hopefully this will work out in the future, which makes me a little 
No, I, I'm. Yeah, I think there's. You're you're right to be nervous and uncomfortable with that because we would we would never consider doing that right. to a two year old. Right. So, um, the other thing a couple has to be concerned about is not not what happens when IVF is a you know is too successful on the front end, but what about on the back end? Yeah. Because if you implant three, I mean, my wife's five two. Yeah. You know, she's very petite. Three would have been. A, oh, yeah. a major stretch. Yeah, yeah. And so if if you get pregnant with more children than you can carry safely, then the clinic is going to say, hey, let's reduce those. Yeah, let's reduce. Yeah. and you're, that's, that's, a, that's a not so happy scenario. Yeah. You just added a whole yeah. other element there, uh, yeah. whereas before you, were th- you thought you were just talking about life. Now you're talking about death as well. A lot to unpack. This is where ethics takes you. I always remind my students, Scott, uh, ethics is like a four-year-old kid always asking why. Why, 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 why? And we have to ask those questions. Talking to Scott Ray, this is Steve Noble. We'll be right back. Show live from Shepherd's Church, Shepherd Seminary down in uh, Cary, North Carolina, with our good friends, Pastor Stephen Davey, and they're doing uh, Ethics 2.0, and they did the Ethics uh, last year as a focus with the 360 Leadership Convention, and it was so popular and so needed that uh, they decided to do it again, and, and praise the Lord for that. We're here with Scott Ray, who's on staff out at Biola University. Beautiful Southern California has been out there for years on staff and teaching in theology and ethics. Uh, we were talking earlier, Scott, then I want to dive into artificial insemination, unless there's something else about in vitro you wanted to, to kind of finish with, but I want to talk about artificial insemination. But with respect to ethics in general, and Erwin Lutzer, who always likes to insert himself in a live radio program, even if he's not invited. <laughs> uh, hey, Dr. Lutzer. Hey, um, why is, okay, obviously you love ethics, I love ethics, but why is it important for the church? Because we were both talking earlier about how our churches are woefully uneducated when it comes to Christian ethics. Well, it's the way, the way Socrates put it. It's about no small matter, but how we ought to live. Mm. Uh, and that's that's really what it's about. And I don't I don't think someone can faithfully follow Jesus without being interested in ethics. Yeah. And making ethical decisions. You may not be aware that you're interested or mm-hmm. making those ethical decisions, but you are. We would like for you to be aware that you're making those decisions and on what basis you're yeah. making them. Yeah. Yeah. And and the ethical world. Uh, is everywhere. It's in everything. Most people don't know it. Uh, They'll stop with morality, but just like with artificial intelligence. I mean, ethics, we need to be at the table because there's so many issues there and most people don't think of it. It it really is where kind of where our faith and where our theology, where the rubber hits the road. When you take it out and you drive it into the culture, you're going to have ethical conversations. The last AI ethics conference I was aware of was just a couple of weeks ago. Google convened it. <laughs> All tech people. All tech people. Yep. And and where are the Christians? You know, not even. I would say even where are the secular people right. in ethics? Yeah, they in weren't ethics. there either. They weren't there either. Yeah, yeah, really, really scary. Uh, any any other thoughts on in vitro fertilization? Then I want to talk about artificial one, just, insemination. Just one. The scenario we ended with uh, last time, which was. Uh, having more pregnancies than you could safely carry. Right. That can be prevented really easily where you just tell the clinic two or one. That's it. That's it. And don't, you know, 
and, and if they don't if, if they fertilize don't what your, we want, and that's right, the end of it. If they don't respect your values, then you take your ball and go play yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's where you have to remember that and selective reduction to get into that area. Artificial insemination is uh, – we're talking about in vitro fertilization in terms of the husband and the wife. Now with artificial insemination, we're going to go outside of that. Now we're going to get a sperm donor. We're going to get an egg donor. Uh, and then a, a, a couple that can't have a child, well, we need to get a sperm donor. And then you can end up carrying. Somebody else can carry. There's a, a few different options there. Uh, but we were both talking about the Vince Vaughn movie. Yes. Uh, which what was the t- name of the movie again? Delivery Man. Five hundred and thirty-five. Was that right? right? Finds right. out he's he's uh, sired five hundred and thirty-five children because he was a prolific sperm donor. Uh, and the thing about that movie that fascinates me, and you saw it too, was once he finds out, he has this uh, pretty intense reaction to the fact that he's a father, and then he wants to find out who these kids are, what are they doing, and then finally, how can I help them? So he's playing around with God's stuff. He just didn't know it, and I don't That's think the movie makers knew it. No, but it was that was not. screaming to me when I yeah. saw that movie. But with with artificial insemination, where do we go with that? Because I ask my students, is this? Do you guys think it's adultery? Because you're procreating with somebody outside of the, your your marriage, your marital union, and they're like, mm, uh, and then they, then we got to talk about what adultery actually is. But there's a lot of ethical concerns with artificial insemination. Obviously, there are. Um, and, and this, you know, artificial insemination concerns, concerns sperm donors. Egg donors have to use IVF for that, so it's in a little different yeah. category. But the issues are the same because you bring a third party into the matrix of marriage. I don't think that constitutes adultery because adultery involves both physically one flesh right. and a breach of the marriage covenant, neither right. of which are taking place. Although the, I've got some stories that will chill your soul oh, about I'm sure. things being done the old-fashioned way yeah. uh, when it first got started. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then sometimes that will involve a surrogate, too, which mm-hmm. is the sort of rent. And it's not you're not buying or selling genetic material. You're renting a womb right. instead. So the sperm donor thing, that's the most common uh, because it's easy. Uh, it's cheap. Yeah. Uh, artificial insemination. I think my, my wife and I tried that twice, not with a donor, but with my sperm. Um, and it was, you know, it was, I don't know, maybe 150 bucks. Yeah. It yeah. was just dirt cheap. Yeah. Uh, and easy. And that's the way most surrogacies were done originally, was just artificially inseminated. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the, the sperm donor thing, I think you got to be really careful about that because, I mean, the, theologically, I think there's a problem sure. bringing a third party into the matrix of marriage. Um, but there's what, what this does is it creates a longing to connect with your bio dad. Right. And there's a there's a, a site out there. I'd encourage your listeners to Google it called the Donor Sibling Registry which is a registry of, of all the kids born of sperm donor arrangements who are seeking that bio dad yeah. connection. Just like adopted children, exactly. a lot of them exactly want to know who are my birth parents, what was the circumstance. It's exactly the same thing. The report that was written on this several years later was called My Daddy's Name is Donor. Oh, man. And what they found is that the average, the average kid born of sperm donor arrangements has 10 step-siblings. Some of these donors have sired as many as 100 kids. Yeah. That's not uncommon. Yeah. Uh, and you do find fertility docs who use their own sperm instead of the donors. And they've, you know, they're, they, let's just say they have a child support bill that is off the charts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the longing that kids have to connect with the person who made them is, you know, has an obvious spiritual connection. Yeah. Yeah. But, and most of them will never get that. 
because the donor donates as a college student or a young adult before, you know, while they're single and unattached. And they get married 20 years later and have a family, and you get a kid come knock on the door mm-hmm. saying, hey, Dad, yeah. can I, can you, will you be in my life? Yeah. And the dad says, you know, I want nothing to do with this. That's right. why most sperm donors are actually anonymous. Yeah. yeah. And they're really hard to track down. Some parts of the world have required that they, that they name themselves. And sort of predictably in those, some of those places, the, avail- the number of available sperm donors has fallen right, off the cliff. Right, of course, yeah. Which you would sort of expect. Yeah, probably, yeah, people worried about liability on down uh, the road. The, uh, one of the other issues with that, uh, does this open the door to the conversation about designer babies? Because I'll, with my students, when we talked about this last week, uh, said, okay, if you can go to the, the donor clinic and then you can read a bio of each sperm donor. And you've got a bio over here of somebody that looks and acts and does, and here's their bio. And then over here you got somebody that's like Tom Brady or something. Uh, of course you're going to want to choose the better stock. Yeah. Is, is artificial intelligence, IVF, everything we're talking about, designer babies, uh, gene manipulation, is that on the radar screen yet? Where you're Because like, I do that with my students. I say, okay, don't game this question. Just play along. Tell me what kind of attributes would you like your son or your daughter to have? Musical, artistic, tall, short, large, skinny, blah, 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 blah. And they come up with quite the list. And I'm like, if you had a chance to manipulate genetic material to get that in your kid, would you? Now they're like, oh, they all would. Mm, yeah, well, most, maybe. Most people would. Maybe I would. Yeah. The way it's normally done is, is a little bit crude uh, because we, sometimes we forget it takes two to tangle sure. in this. Sure. So, you know, you could get a great sperm donor and – yeah, you know the woman could screw it up, or, yeah. vi- or vice versa. But the the most outrageous one I've seen is you, if you if you if your listeners live near near college campus, secular college campus, go look in the college newspaper, in the ad section mm. in the back. I guarantee you, you will find ads for egg donors. Yeah, and wow. sperm sper- donors, mostly because college age women are at the ideal age to do this. And the most outrageous one I've seen was in it was an Ivy League newspaper where the couple was paying $75,000 for a harvest of eggs if the woman met the following conditions. Yeah, there you go. Blonde, blue-eyed, 5'10 or above, athletic, and scored more than 1,400 on her SATs. <laughs> and you win the $70,000 prize. Yeah. And, then and we you, get your eggs. And then you hope that the, the sperm guy doesn't screw it up. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah, really but, remarkable. Really remarkable. So, Can, should we have these conversations, Scott? We're talking to Scott Ray from Biola University. Should we even try to have these conversations with secular people? That's probably hard enough with Christians, but secular well, people. I'll give, you, I'll give you an example of this. I, had, I did, was doing a television show with, a, with one of the top stem cell researchers in California years ago, yeah. Hans Kirstad. And he was a UC Irvine at the time. He and his wife had just had their first child in their 40s. And they were about to try for a second child, and they wanted to use the technology that would give them a 80 85% chance of the, the gender that they wanted for yeah. the child. Wow. And he said, do you think I should do that? And I said, well, in my, in my Christian worldview, children are a gift. And we receive gifts open-handedly, gratefully, and without specifications. Right. And he said, he's an atheist. And he said, you know, that makes a, that makes a lot of sense even though he couldn't for the life right. of him acknowledge who the giver was right, of right, those right, gifts. Right. But seeing children as a gift is something yeah. that most people intuitively connect with. Yeah, whether he claims to be an atheist or not, uh, 
I know based on Romans chapter 1, he actually isn't. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but, and I also know that he's made the image of God, and when you touch those things, people can react even if they say they're an atheist. We're talking to Scott Ray. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. We'll be right back. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show, live with Scott Ray, who is uh, just an outstanding professor, theology and ethics, Biola University, prolific author. Uh, we use his book for um, my ethics classes, Introducing Christian Ethics, Doing the Right Thing, Business for the Common Good, Outside the Womb, The Virtues of Capitalism, Biotechnology and the Human Good, Beyond Integrity, Body and Soul, Bioethics. And tons of articles. All you got to do is just Google Scott and you'll find all these incredible resources. Scott Ray, R-A-E. And you can check it out for yourself. Uh, just a wealth of um, knowledge and wisdom, and especially when it comes to ethics, which is really where our theology should hit the road and, and the real issues of life. And uh, and you were just saying, Scott, and again, thanks for being here for the whole hour. You were just saying you were at a at a AI c- uh, conference recently and, and no ethical people there, secular or otherwise. Just tech people. Just tech people. Oh, well, I feel I can sleep much better at night knowing yeah, oh, that. Yeah. Everything's oh, yeah. fine. I'm, I'm relieved, aren't you? <laughs> it's just really remarkable. I know you wanted to say something else about egg donors, and then we'll uh, open it up for like the last few minutes. Yeah. One of the things that's, I think, not widely known about, and it's really egg donation is probably not the right term. It's egg selling. Yes. Thank sell, you. Selling their eggs. Right. But uh, I, if you know somebody who's considering this, encourage them not to do that because it's risky. Uh, the, the industry will, will say over and over again that it's totally safe. And a lot of women do this without, without incident initially. Yeah. Uh, but what, the, what your listeners need to know is that n- nobody's tracking the short, even the short-term health of the egg donors, not to mention the long-term mm. health. No, no data exists yeah. Yeah. to tell you that it's safe. Um, because the, the only people who the clinic are interested in are the paying customers. Right, of course. And once the, once the woman is finished donating her eggs, unless she's a super donor and they want her back, she's gone. Yeah, move along. Out of sight, out of mind. And so, you know, any, any appeals to data are, you know, there they just isn't any. This sounds exactly like the abortion industry. Uh, something like that. Get them in, get them out. And it, what do you mean post-abortive yeah. uh, impacts on women? There aren't yeah. any. It's like I went to the doctor. I'm fine. I went home. Yeah, it's such a lie, uh, and thank you for, for bringing that up. And, and again, these are conversations about these types of topics. This is happening. The world is going in this direction. These, these technologies are available, uh, and that's why we have to be engaged in these conversations. We'll broaden it out here, Scott, just for the final segment. But what would you say are kind of the biggest issues that we're facing today in terms of where we should show up with a Christian ethic? Uh, because the world is running headlong down these different roads, whether it's artificial intelligence, whatever the case may be. But for you, after 35 years of teaching, what, what are the biggest things that you're concerned about in terms of where we're at in the 21st century? Well, I think there, there are two that keep me up at night and then get me up in the morning mm. to go to work. One is the, the, the use of biotechnology to enhance otherwise normal traits for human beings. Mm-hmm. Uh, not to treat disease, yeah. not to cure anything, but to enhance otherwise normal traits. Um, I, I, don't, I don't see where that stops, given our emphasis on individual autonomy. Yeah. It's my body, my choice, and don't, don't tell me what I can do with my own body. Um, 
I just I don't I don't see that stopping, and I see that exacerbating the gap between the medical haves and have-nots. Mm, yeah, and especially if those advantages are cemented in place genetically. Yeah, that's a huge problem. Yeah, it sounds Aryan, something like that. Uh, the other one has to do with what's come to be called gene editing, where we don't really need the the crude sort of you know roll the dice way of looking at the traits of donors to to select the traits of a child. We can now do that in the sex cells and the early stage embryos, where we've basically figured out how to take a genetic scissors and cut out defective genes yeah. or any gene you want and replace it with a cloned gene that's been reproduced multiple times in the lab, you know, and replace that uh, and have it. And it will, the downside is, it will it will transmit those traits, but at least potentially, to the next generation, and so with without knowing exactly sure what we're unleash, unleashing yeah, on yeah. future generations, uh, and there's thankfully there's a moratorium on that. Was, that's called germline editing. Mm-hmm. There's a moratorium on that now, but I don't I don't see that holding up for, yeah. for the long term. Do all these things typically start out of a admirable concern for just health? well-being i think most most of them do i think um you know and we got we got lots of dual use drugs sure you know i mean drugs that are used to treat for example uh you know social anxiety disorder are being used to calm the nerves of concert musicians right and neurosurgeons which i i sort of think i'd like my neurosurgeon yeah. to have his nerves calm <laughs> yeah so calm one would think right um but the, you know, and drugs that are drugs that are now used to be that are, are being used to treat Alzheimer's are now being used to treat just memory loss in folks my age. Um, and there's all sorts of these dual use yeah. technologies that start out well. Mo, I think most biotechnology is a, is a bit of a mixed bag. You know, it's, it's got overwhelming sure. benefits, sure. but it, you know, they got downsides too. Even technologies that keep people alive has down. They have downsides. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so it's not. I mean, which is what we should expect in a world where, you know, the pervasiveness and universality of sin affects mm-hmm. everything. Everything. So that shouldn't be a big surprise. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, you got Elon Musk out there uh, who's a fascinating character and, and I think is doing some good things. But his integration of technology with uh, humanity, I mean, he's headlong down that road. Yeah. Uh, and again, for the sake of, man, what if we can help people that can't see very well see well? What if we can help people that can't walk walk? What if we, There's all these noble reasons for doing it. Well, the goal. But it, you discount human depravity, and that's where it gets nutty fast. Yeah. And the, the goal is actually to transcend humanity hence the term transhumanism yes. that's not transgender human right, right. transhuman means transcending yep our, our humanity um as just another another well thing davos would say that's just do. part of the fourth industrial revolution that's you know right. that's just the betterment of mankind is better for everybody why wouldn't you want to help everybody but like you said you're going to end up uh with uh, as usual and we've got six thousand years of human history of, of the haves and the have-nots which is completely unavoidable no, and that's, that's right. just part of the deal that's baked right. into the cake well and it and I just, I just want to make sure we don't make that worse. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about artificial intelligence? we got a couple minutes. Uh, so there, solve the I, whole thing in four minutes, Scott, then you can go. Well, I'm encouraging my students <laughs> my students not to use it. Yes, uh, good old chat GPT which, which and think, all the other which, stuff. Which I think is, you know, a fool's errand. Yeah. In fact, I've, I've, I don't know if I should go public with this or not, <laughs> but I've almost, I've almost been tempted to tell my students, look, if all you want to do is pass the course – you don't care about learning anything. 
go knock yourself out. Yeah. If you want to learn something yeah. and take something with you yeah. from this next to get your tuition money's worth, right. then don't use it. Then don't use it. Yeah, well, it cuts. Yeah. it's just like Google or Ask Siri, which my watch is yeah. probably going to start talking to me. Yeah, you, you've, you've, we're dumbing people down, which the elites love. Now I'm going to sound like Glenn yeah. Beck. Uh, of course, I mean, that's been the purpose of the public school system since the late 1800s. It's just let's just create little cogs in the machine, yeah. and it's our machine. And then we can just plug them in there. But, yeah, at the artificial intelligence, again, n- nobody's having the conversation at an ethical level. We're just running headlong in, in all these wonderful things that we're going to be able to do. And there are, and there, there are some. Yeah, I mean, sure. I, oh, I, absolutely. I love the fact that my doctor is going to be able to have access to oh. thousands and thousands of bits of medical data yeah. that would take him days and days to, to mm-hmm. uncover. Mm-hmm. Although I, really, I, I will say, being, being an author, I'd like to know – if some of my work is in the 185,000 works that, that have been pirated yes. by open AI yeah. Yeah. without attribution and without compensation. Yes, of course. Um, yeah, see, so, that, but, another but that, one of those issues. But that's my self-interest speaking. So. <laughs> yeah, but that's going to be part of this conversation. It is. And I think uh, until Jesus comes back. Yeah. Uh, we were talking about it yesterday with somebody. I'm like, listen, Drake got into a lawsuit not that long ago because somebody used AI to create a song that sounded like him. Same kind of lyrics, same kind of style, but it wasn't him. And you can pass it off as Drake, and nobody's going to know. Well, and you can program it to sound like Drake, right? Oh yeah, I mean it's so. So then all of a sudden, intellectual property is dead. I, I was speaking on this in a church a couple of weeks ago, and I did gave a demonstration, and I said, "Craft a sermon on I forget the passage. The passage, the passage we're going to preach on the next week hmm. on this passage, and in in a thousand words, spits it out in ten seconds. Bamo. And then I said. I said, now we're going to do it a little more specifically, craft, craft this same sermon, but in the language and tongue of the, the senior pastor. And it looked considerably different because <laughs> it had access to his stuff. It made it sound just like him. Man. And, and I, thought, I thought, you know, I, 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 wanted, I, he's, I don't think he's tempted to plagiarize a sermon. Yeah. Yeah, but in but case still. He, I was going to out him in case he preemptively in case he was. But odds are he would read it and go, "That's pretty good." Yeah, which is the alarming thing about yeah. it because you're, you're blurring the lines. We're, on we're, so many we're turning authors here. into editors. That's exactly right, and, and then eventually we won't need editors either. No. Uh, we'll just be replaceable, ultimately replaceable. Well, I think you know one of the things that happens with my students is, uh, and I don't know, I'm I'm sure this can happen in your ethics courses as well. It's easy to get depressed. Because you're like, so many things are going in the wrong direction. And, and that's ultimately where ethics without the gospel just becomes hopelessness in many ways. And frustration with mankind and our sin and what we do to ourselves and what we do to each other. I, I always end up back at the gospel because that's the ultimate hope that we have. That th- this is, these problems are important. They're growing. But they're temporary. Is that, is that a, no, I, a healthy no, I, way to? Yeah, I think that's right. Oh, I, I might add one other thing sure. to it. You know, the, the human beings didn't discover these technologies by accident. <laughs> no. Uh-uh. You know, it's got, God's embedded his wisdom into his world and given yeah. us common grace in order to unlock those things. Yeah. And so the, that's where the good comes from. Right. Yeah. I mean, he can uh, come check out what we're doing with the Tower of Babel. <laughs> yeah. And we're doing it for all the wrong reasons. Yeah. Right. But it's still pretty impressive. It's a heck of a building. It's a heck of a building. It's like, wow, there's nothing these guys can't do when they put their minds to it. Yeah. And we're like, yeah, Dad, because you gave us all yeah. the stuff to work well, with. God, God's not up there biting his nails because we're no. figuring it out. Uh-uh. No, I often say God still rules the universe with his feet up. Yeah, that's a good <laughs> He's got a nice it. Ottoman, a footstool even, if you want to go there. Scott Ray, it was so good to see you. Uh, Thank likewise. you for your time. It's been a treat. Steve. And uh, we'll definitely do it again and uh, just pray.
pray God's blessings on all that you're doing. This no, is Steve Noble promise. on the Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you guys real soon. And like my dad always used to say, ever forward. Another program powered by the Truth Network.